Good afternoon. It is just turned 12 o'clock and welcome to the Money Web at Midday Show. My name is Raik van Niekerk and this show is brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, Leaders in Business. Well, looking at the screens, uh, it seems to be a, a much better day than yesterday. It's green all over. And uh, let's quickly run through the leading indicators. The All Share Index up 0.9%, a nice bounce after yesterday's performance. The JSC Top 40 up over 1%. Resources up 2.2%. Industrials up nearly 1%, although financials are down 0.2%. If we look at uh, international markets, the FTSE 100 currently up 0.3%. The DAX 0.4% and the CAC 40 just over 1%. 0.1%. Earlier in Southeast Asia, the Nikkei closed up 0.4% higher. Shanghai uh, was uh, virtually flat, while the Hang Seng um, rose by 0.5%. Um, currently looking at uh, Dow Jones futures, up 0.3% there as well. Looking at uh, currencies, the US dollar is currently trading at 12.86 against the dollar. Uh, well, the Rand uh, at 12.86 against the dollar, slightly softer. Uh, the pound, 17.20 and the euro 15 uh, rand and 12 cents the dollar is also trading at one dollar 17 against the euro and 134 against pound sterling if you look at commodities the gold index is uh, the gold price is 1294 dollars slightly lower than yesterday brent crude is flat at 75 dollars 51 Platinum is above $900, again $901.21 US cents. And the, on the capital market, the, R8, the R186 currently at 8.69%. Um, if you look at um, some uh, individual shares that are um, in the news today, Anglo-American and Glencore up, both, uh, uh, up by 3%. Uh, new 52-week highs there as well. Bulletin also nearly 3%. Implut 2.5%. Uh, Richmond 2% higher. Uh, Sabanya and ARM also nearly 2% higher. On the negative side, Coronation is down 2.6%. Itiltile another 2.5%. Pick and Pay also 2%. Um, and then Roynet, Vodacom and Sunlam between 1% and 1.5% down. Um, well, uh, let's uh, speak to Wayne McCurry from F&B Wealth Investments. So, Wayne, welcome to the show uh, Quite a nice bounce after yesterday's uh, showing following the poor GDP data announcement. Yes, and certainly is, and it's mainly driven by RAND, sort of a bit of RAND weakness heading up towards the 1290 level. So it's all the resource shares, NASPAS, Anglo's, Bulletin up 3%, and the banking shares and the financials are down slightly. But certainly, yes, there is quite a nice bounce overall from the market. Mm, it actually shows you that uh, what ap- actually happens in South Africa doesn't impact the market all that much. No. It's actually international events that are always, uh, you know, providing direction. They always dominate our market. Simply, I mean, you can, there's plenty of ways to measure it. But, you know, I would not be surprised if 70 to 80% of our market cap on our all-share index is virtually dominated by overseas events and the land exchange rate. Mm, and uh, international ownership as well. Um, yes. You know, close to a third, and uh, which is remained significant. Um, not a lot of corporate news out today. No, um, very little. But Harmony Gold uh, announced that it raised just over 1 billion rand via uh, the issue of new shares. Um, they want to pay debt and partly fund their 3.8 billion rand acquisition of the Moab Kotsong mine. Um, mm. Share price down 9% uh, because the, the placement price was around 12% lower than, than Tuesday's yeah. price. Uh, what do you think of that? 
Now, look, this is the problem with gold shares, is that they don't generate any free cash flow and they haven't for a sustained time period. So what's happened now? You take, you take uh, Anglo Gold, for example. Um, eight, ten years ago, 50% of their gold was South Africa. Now, with all the closures and the dropping grades and the dropping output, I think 12 or 15% now is South African sourced. So therefore, the companies are desperate to find more resources, to find more gold ounces, and there's nothing left in South Africa, so they're all going overseas all around the place in Africa and Asia, and you need capital to develop that mine. So they're not really making much money profit-wise, so there's no free cash flow there. In other words, every time they get a new resource they want to develop, they've got to take on debt and issue new shares, and that's been the life of a gold mine for Sure, I mean, uh, I'm not exaggerating now, but I think getting close to three decades, there's just no cash flow generation. Um, then the the Hawks raided the MTN offices yesterday, or MTN describes it as a visit in quotation marks, but it all forms part of the investigation into alleged corruption um, at the in the Iranian uh, market um, yes. with, uh, involving Turkcell. Now this story has been in the in the news for a for a while now, Long time. Um, mm. and uh, you know MTN lost two percent yesterday, pretty much against the run of the market. Um, yes. What do you make of this? Because we've had other CEOs vehemently deny such, uh, you know, p- potential misconduct in the past, and, and it didn't yeah. pan out that way. No, it certainly didn't pan out that way. And unfortunately, this Iran South thing with Turkcell disputing what they've got up to and whether they got the license and whether it was all legitimate. This has been around for a very, very long time now. Now, the problem with the cell phone companies is that the South African market is ex-growth. I mean, it is still growing, but the big growth periods are clearly behind you in South Africa. So therefore, when you go look for growth, you've got to go to other destinations. And the other destinations that have not got a saturated cell phone market are all the emerging markets. And we know now, after what's happened in Iran, in Nigeria, all over the place, these countries come with serious risk, not just legislatory risk, physical risk, geopolitical risk. It's a very, very difficult market, but if you need growth, that's where you've got to go. You have no option. After the break, I'm going to talk to Anthony Clark of Vunani. Is the land expropriation without compensation plan the biggest threat to the new dawn, as promised by new president Cyril Ramaphosa? Can SA make any progress against the background of increasing protest action, strikes, and low economic growth? Attend the Brenthurst Wealth SA Quo Vadis seminar series hosted in association with MoneyWeb to hear the insights of five leading experts. Magnus Haystack of Brenthurst, Ralph Mateja, political analyst, Magda Verzitska of Signia, Glenn Owen of Momentum, and Jean-Pierre Fastad of Fairtree Capital. Bookings at www.quicket.co.za. Search for Brenthurst. Anthony Clark is an equity analyst at Vunani, and he specializes in small and mid-cap stocks. Anthony, welcome to the show. Uh, I want to talk to you about a very interesting company, Stadio. Um, it was spun out of Kiro not too long ago. It focuses on the tertiary education sector. And this week, the sh- prices spiked by nearly 20% following an announcement that it's going to build a university in Durbanville in the Western Cape. What is the story here? Yeah, good afternoon to you and your listeners. Uh, the Stadio AGM actually occurred on Monday alongside the Kuro AGM. 
And normally they have their annual general meetings uh, inside the PSG group Jamboree at the end of June. But this year they decided to have separate meetings, which meant that only a handful of private clients actually went to listen to what was a very upbeat presentation uh, by uh, the respective CEOs of Curro and Stadio. Now, Stadio, as you've mentioned, was spun out of Curro Holdings. It was October last year. Uh, I think they got to a high of around nine rand. They're now settling at about just under five and they had a rights issue just after listing at around two rand fifty. So uh, as a tertiary operation, what Dr. Chris van der Merwe, the founder of Curro and who's now CEO of Stadio, basically said um, that they're actually tracking ahead of schedule. It looks like they'll need a lot less funds to grow the business to reach scale compared to Curro. And uh, that caused a share price to surge in the last couple of days. But if I look at the share prices of both Stadio and Kira, they, fo- they follow a pretty similar trajectory. They, after listing, they really uh, ran quite hard, um, and then there was a, you know, a slide, and then whenever there is some positive news, there is a bit of a spike. Uh, in, in Stadio's case, is this not the same thing? Because uh, the, the share price has you know, performed actually pretty poorly over in, in recent months uh, until uh, come Monday. I completely agree. I think, uh, you know, just after its listing, there was a great deal of exuberance and frost in the marketplace as this new player uh, in tertiary suddenly emerged. And that was when, uh, you know, there was issues regarding education in this country. Then we had the fees must fall debacle where parents are wondering, do we really want to send our children to state, uh, to state universities, given all the trouble going on? And then, of course, we had in the new year following the CR17, uh, you know, election, we had free education in, mooted. Uh, for the country. So that brought a lot of a sparkle off the education sector, as, as many thought that perhaps there'd be increasing competition from the state in the education sector. And let's not forget that both Kuro and Stalio, even though they have you know, inherent prospects in education in this country, have reached incredibly frothy proportions regarding their valuations and their share price. And what we've seen, particularly in Stalio uh, so far this year, is the stock nearly halving from a high attained just after the listing in October last year. Do you should you value both companies in the same way? Are they very similar, or are there some differences that uh, would influence the way you value them? Yeah, I think there's complete differences. You know, in in Kuro's case, because it physically has to build schools to have you know primary children and high school children in their facilities, that takes a great deal more capital to physically run around the country and actually build or buy schools to have a national footprint. In Stadio's case. They only intend to build around three major campuses. The first, as you mentioned, is going to be in Durbanville at an approximate cost of around half a billion rand. Then once that's been completed by 2021, they'll open up one in Gauteng and then ultimately one in Natal. So between the three campuses that they intend to build, you know, let's call a round, a round number here, lying for inflation, et cetera, et cetera, between one and a half and two billion rand. And some acquisitions that they have made, they will have spent a, a great deal less than what Kuro has spent to date to build its current operational network. Kuro to date has spent 7.5 billion rand to get to 53,000 learners. Stardew by 2026, even though it's tracking ahead of its own budgets, I estimate it will spend between 30 and 40% of that number to reach 100,000 learners in a mixture of contact learners physically turning up every day at university and the balance being distance learning. So it'll be a, a very profitable entity with significantly less capital cost because it doesn't need physical buildings or not as many physical buildings. Because you as a student going to university tend to travel to somewhere and stay there. 
children going to school have to be in their locality to where they stay with their parents. Will be an interesting show to watch. Uh, just lastly, um, Anthony, uh, we saw a shocking GDP number for the first quarter being released yesterday, um, and this, uh, of course, will affect South African-focused shares a lot more than the big international ones that dominate the JSE. Um, one of your uh, your colleagues, um, um, Gareth, uh, well, um, you know, I forgot his name now. Can you believe it? But it seems like the uh, uh, the small cap sector seems to be under a lot of pressure and offers a lot more value than some of the biggest um, uh, sectors. Keith McLaughlin was the analyst. Uh, what do you think the impact of, of the GDP number could be on smaller, uh, the small and mid cap sector? And uh, where do you think the value could be uh, for, for some uh, people wanting to, to take a bet on, on, on the small caps? Yeah, I completely agree. I read Keith's report yesterday regarding the valuation of small caps. And, you know, having tracked the sector now for 26 years, you know, you look, you're looking at valuations at incredibly rock-bottom prices. But as I said to a client yesterday, you know, things may be at a rock-bottom price. It doesn't mean you're going to persuade the major investing institutions in this country, you know, to put their hard-earned investors' funds into small caps right now. You know, because the risk-reward scenario which still hasn't tipped in their favor, even though they're cheap. You know, they're potentially cheap for a reason. You know, the GDP numbers are very skewed towards a, a dramatic fall in agriculture. The strong round also had an impact on exports. You know, domestically, the economy remains in dire straits. The consumer, as we know, is under extreme pressure with fuel prices about to hit. We had a 1% rise in VAT. You know, taxation has been hit you know, on, the, on, the, on the middle to upper market. So the consumer sector in this country re- remains very, very tight. So if you look across what I would call small cap SA, uh, involved in the industrial and the consumer space, which I, which I cover. You know, but, but it's pockets of, of interest. But on the broader spectrum across the entire small to mid-cap space, it doesn't look that great currently. So even though the, you know, the, the more aggressive funds may be starting to build positions for an ultimate return in, uh, in value in the small to mid-caps, I see that probably at least 12 to 18 months away because we need a convincing rally and growth in the underlying economy, which simply currently isn't there. So Cyril may be doing all the right things at, at, you know, at, the, at, the, at the coal face, but until it feeds through to the man in the street and to industry uh, you know, in the locality, I see small to mid caps being you know, cheap and cheap again for probably another 12 months. But I completely agree they are incredibly good value but there may be good value for a little bit time, a little bit longer yet. Mm. Thank you, Anthony. That was Anthony Clark, equity analyst at Venani. Wayne McCurry from FNB. Um, Wayne, uh, what is uh, your view on on small and mid caps? Look, it's a difficult sector. I've I've never believed that the mere fact that something is small or mid cap guarantees under or outperformance. So I've I've never liked this classification. How the small caps are going to run or the big caps are going to run? I think it's very dependent on the company itself, you know, what's, what's the company doing, what's its prospects. But talking on those sectors now, they have lagged for a, quite a while now. I mean, Stadio and Kuro, I think, are, are very good buyers at these levels simply because they have come off these very, very high valuations that they were at previously. And there is no doubt there's still lots of demand for private education at the right price. So I have no doubt that there's lots of demand out there and the shares look more reasonable. So 
I'm certainly quite favourably disposed towards it. Yeah, you know, cheap shares or underperforming shares are sometimes uh, exactly the same thing. Um, but yes. uh, just uh, looking at a tweet from David Shapiro, um, which he refers to the listing of Ferrari in January in 2016. He says the share price is uh, up nearly 200% over this period. And he says if you want to buy the real thing, rather start buying the shares. Uh, I know you're yep. a car man. Uh, what do you think of Ferrari and, and the prospects? Now, look, I mean, David Shapiro, who's loved Ferrari for a very, very long time. I've personally owned two or three Ferraris, and admittedly, the Ferraris I owned are very, were very old 1970s and 1980s model. So you looked very cool when you drove it. You looked very smart when you drove it. But they were essentially terrible motor cars. They were badly assembled. So I hope <laughs> the new Ferraris are a lot better than the 70s and 80s models. But yes, why not? Because it's not just the car now, it's the brand, it's the clothes, it's the cap, it's the Ferrari experience, it's, the, it's gone way beyond the motor car now. They're actually a brand management company, they're not even really a motor car company. But yes, why not? They seem to be doing extremely well. Of course, all of the so-called luxury brands will take a bit of strain when interest rates go up. Well, they are going up when they go up some more in America and in Europe. But I think they should weather the storm. I mean, they've been around a very, very long time now. Anyway, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you, uh, Wayne. That was Wayne McCurry from FNB. And unfortunately, this is all we have time for today. And this show was brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, leaders in business. Numbers rule the world. Inflation, interest rates, petrol price. And when numbers change, you need to know how to respond, especially when it comes to business. Partner with a chartered accountant and get far more than a numbers person. A CASA is equipped with holistic business acumen and decision-making expertise when evaluating your business's future growth. Partner with a responsible leader in business. Partner with a CASA today. Go to saiga.co.za. My name is Raik van Kerk and thank you for tuning in.